things don't just happen by chance. They just don't. And if you guys think it does, it doesn't. It comes again in the mind. And when you put it out there and you live by faith, having that faith as small as a mustard seed, as I know we've heard that so many times, mm -hmm. that's the thing. I mean, even, even Jesus said it. He says, you know, he talked about this so many times about belief. For anybody that puts their heart out there, God will reward a man according to what his deeds go after, according mm -hmm. to what his deeds deserve. But you have to do it through faith. The mindset of just knowing, you know what? I'm shaking in my boots, but I'm just going to take this leap. I'm just going to do it. That's the point. That's the crossroads of just doing it. When I went to that event, I even shared it. It was hard for me to share and be humble in front of people and say, you know what? I have to start over. Boss Uncaged is a bi-weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners as they become uncaged trailblazers, unconventional thinkers, untethered trendsetters, and unstoppable tycoons. We always hear about overnight success stories, never knowing that it took 20 years to become a reality. Our host, S.A. Grant, conducts narrative accounts through the voices and stories behind Uncaged Bosses. In each episode, guests from a wide range of backgrounds sharing diverse business insights. Learn how to release your primal success through words of wisdom from inspirational entrepreneurs and industry experts as they depict who they are, how they juggle their work life with family life, their successful habits, business expertise, tools, and tips of their trade. Release the uncaged boss beast in you. Welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome back to Boss Uncaged Podcast. On today's show, we have Lad. Lad is one of these people that I like to refer to as a serial entrepreneur. I met this guy, what was it, like uh, 2019, December, at a mastermind workshop. The way I met him, he was pretty much having a conversation, and he was talking about one of his businesses. So, Lad, I mean, give our viewers a little bit of who you are and what you do. Okay, a little bit of who I am. Well, basically, I am an entrepreneur, like anybody else would be, in a sense, but a little bit different. My path was very different, and uh, I've had a lot of experiences, especially over the last few years. It's been pretty interesting. But anyway, uh, entrepreneur nonetheless, been on my own now when it comes to not working a nine-to-five job for about 18 years. Nice. And that's the length of my marriage. So yeah, that all <laughs> so, happened when we got married. <laughs> so, I mean, the fact that you survived, that's a good point, right? I mean, you survived yeah. 18 years of marriage and 18 years of being an entrepreneur, which is yeah. usually a, a heavy task to juggle both those items. It, yeah. Yeah. And leading humbly as a man mm -hmm. in the relationship, that's uh, another one. And it wasn't easy for me mm -hmm. because it put a lot of pressure. You know, I got to say, it just puts pressure on a guy, regardless, you know, of how people act today and how they respond to, you know, who's better than the other person and whatever. I never looked at it that way. I always looked at it as the man provides. Gotcha. You know? gotcha. And he doesn't gotcha. just provide monetarily. He also provides through humility, through serving, mm -hmm. through loving, giving. There's a lot more responsibilities for a man to lead in that way and to serve in that way. Just tell you right now, that's not a woman's role. That is a man's role to be an example for that woman because women, honestly, you know, have their own 
thing that they want to do, or have a desire to do, but they ultimately need to be led and want to be led. That's their desire, at least on that end. If they're going to get into a relationship, they truly want to be able to see the man lead in that way. How humble is he going to be? How loving and caring is he going to be? I didn't even realize that aspect until you just brought that up because that to me is, you know, a culmination of not just, hey, my entrepreneur mindset and my business or whatever. I also had a family with two boys. Mm-hmm. One's now 14. The other one's now 16. We've been married now for 18 years. Wow. It's been an interesting ride, but I never look at it from what you said. You know, he survived 18 years of marriage. I don't look at it that way. I look mm-hmm. at it from a very successful standpoint that God's allowed me to have this mm-hmm. tremendous relationship with this incredible woman that I'm grateful to be a part of in this way. You know, God's the head. He is the first of why I only do what I'm able to do. Without him, this relationship would never work. So, anyway. gotcha. Gotcha. So, I mean, more so I was looking at it from, you know, when you have an entrepreneur and I could tell like when you pick up something and you decide that you're going to go for it, you're going to go 300% into it. Right. So as yeah, an entrepreneur, yeah, yeah. I was okay. more so making a statement of surviving a marriage because I know that you're hundred okay. percent ingrained in whatever it is that you're doing. Right. Yeah. The next question I have to use, define yourself in three to five words. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> My ADHD can't do that one, but I'm going to try to <laughs> intensely obsessed and committed. So I think that's what I would put. Gotcha. Those would be the three words. I mean, beyond that, I mean, if you want to understand what happened and how it all started for me, even as a kid, by the age of 14, I was working a job, Mm -hmm. you know, bagging groceries and fast forward all the way to the age of 23. I went through already probably about six or seven or eight part-time jobs, you know, here and there. And after graduating high school, went in the military, I got married when I was 19, married young. The girl who I was with was not what she was supposed to be in the sense of committed on drugs, everything else, and not wanting to stop. And I left. Did not want to have children with somebody that was going to continue on this route. So I left. We were married for 18 months. So I realized my issues and what I created in that relationship as well. So moving forward, And then moving on to different jobs, I did not have a formal college education, with the exception of two years of commercial art design skills that I went to school for. You know, at the time they called it commercial art, I actually was going to school to be a graphic designer. You know, Mm -hmm. that's what they started calling it right when I graduated, because computers started coming into the mix, you know, right around that point. And right at 23, I knew some friends that had a Mac computer and they, I noticed that they had a couple of art programs, Photoshop and Illustrator. And they came out initially when Mac came out and I said, wow, this is incredible. What can I do to learn from this? And I pretty much taught myself through the manuals, got an entry level position, started working for a labeling company. Then I started working for another company. I actually worked for my church, which was incredible. Uh, The church I went to, non-denominational church, I'm still part of it for 30 years but uh, worked as a book cover designer and interior uh, layout designer as well for the books and got mentored by somebody who was a phenomenal font creator. The guy was a designer and uh, an incredible traditional uh, commercial and graphic designer. Amazing, amazing mentor. I couldn't have asked for a better guy and um, tremendous, tremendous help. His name is uh, Chris Costello. So I think if you ever typed in uh, Chris Costello Treasury, He actually works with the treasury and he does coins now. He designs the coins, our American coins. That's how talented this man is. Tremendous friend, just an incredible guy. But anyway, 
I moved on from there. And then I had many other jobs in between that. That was probably my longest standing job. I did an interview back in New York with the New York Times on an article about people who have ADHD mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, how many jobs did you go through? Because a lot of people go through quite a few jobs. I counted every single job that I've had since 14, up until the point where I was working for my church doing, you know, graphic design work. I literally had 53 jobs. Mm-hmm. A lot of people look at that and they think that's crazy. But it was right after I left that job to go to New York to be with my girlfriend who I got engaged to because my plan was to marry and being 34, 33, 34, I'm like, I I can't, I don't want to wait anymore. I just, you know, that was my desire for that. And went to New York, landed a job that landed for some time. But the moment we got married, I knew that my career and a sense of doing design work was diminishing because jobs weren't paying that much anymore. Everybody and their grandmother thinks they be, you know, can be a graphic designer now. And it's just like, okay, forget it. I'm just not doing this anymore. So I got out of that facet of that industry. And I looked into an audiobook. It was called Cashflow Quadrant from Robert Kiyosaki. Mm-hmm. And that's when things started to open up. I didn't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. In fact, that was the last audiobook that I listened to. I went through all of his 13 series of books at the time, and I just did audiobooks. That's all I did. And I listened to all of them. When I listened to all of them, the one that really got me the most, his favorite written book, but he stated it was my worst selling book. And I knew why, because people don't want to listen. They don't have this desire to listen to reality. They want a fluffernutter type of book that makes them feel good. And Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, although it explains the truth, is more of a fluffernutter in a sense for people to have me feel good. And as well as it's laying out the truth, but if you really took the time to listen to both books, Prophecy was the book because he talked about the demise of our current financial situation and the crash that was going to be coming in September of 2008. And lo and behold, to the month and the year, he was dead on. But it wasn't him. It's because of the information that he gathered from other people because that was all planned. But that's another topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. So with that said, four years prior, here I am hustling and I found real estate as my ADHD friend because I was able to rehab. I was able to you know, flip homes and do all the crazy stuff that some people just can't do, but my brain could handle it. That round peg in a square hole, that nine to five thing that didn't fit, well, this fit perfectly. And it took off from there. But it all happened too when the market was not doing well. So it was a bit strained for us to be able to make a ton of money. And the market was pretty much frozen in New York, but it was still kind of growing in Texas. So we moved to Texas and um, started doing more of the real estate stuff over there. But then something else happened. It, it didn't do so well because obviously the crash did then came. It came right in September 2008. So we cashed out on everything and we got our money. We didn't lose anything, but we got involved with a franchise that unfortunately we found out was a fraud choice. And too bad I can't coin the word because uh, when I looked it up, I said, oh, shuck, somebody else has that word. But the problem was is that the guy that we bought a franchise from <sighs> I'll just say this. It was play and trade video games. Ron Simpson. If you guys don't know who that guy is, type in Ron Simpson, play, letter N, trade. 
it was a total fraud. And a lot of people lost everything. And uh, we lost some stuff. We had to file BK. It was a humbling experience for me. We had to give up our house. So when we moved into another place to live in the same neighborhood that we, in the master plan community here in Houston, we moved to another house. The thing that saved us was my wife because my wife was still a career person in that way and she still had her job. And so here I am trying to refigure things out again. And that put a ton of pressure on me. But the great thing is it just dawned on me. What can I do to pay something forward that I can help people and yet still make a living during this downturn economy? And this was September, October of 2008, where this all started to hit me. I went to bed one night and it just dawned on me right when I was about to go to sleep, home security and personal protection products. And I looked into the home security camera business, saturated, didn't do well with it, tried it for about six months. But in between all of that stuff, I was at the Houston Gun and Knife Show trying to sell my wares. And I was trying to sell camera equipment, flashlights or whatever. And I'm looking at this guy behind me and he's pulling out this knife. And I couldn't figure out what the heck is this product that he's pulling out. So I waited about six or eight weeks. I would go there every four weeks. They used to have this show. And I think it was the second or third time that I went to the show. That's when I started to introduce myself to him. And I wanted to find out what this knife was all about. Because it was a menacing looking product, but it wasn't big. Hmm. It was a karambit knife. It was a curved talon shaped blade. Hmm. And so I was like, let me dig into this. And with my obsessive compulsive nature, I, <laughs> I spent the next four or five days probably about 20 hours a day. Mm-hmm. I didn't get much sleep for four or five days straight. I come to find out that there is no better one-handed deployable defense knife on the market. And I'm like, why is nobody talking about this particular type of knife? And how come I found a company that's in Italy that cut a deal with the guy who created the patent to kind of sublet his patent and also sell their knife for less than half the cost of what he's selling his knife for. That made no sense to me. So I was going to Billy Mays the heck out of this thing. I was like, man, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to love this. Nobody knows about this knife. So what I did was I ordered both knives. Mm -hmm. And Ernest Emerson is the king and number one hard use knife maker in America. He's got about 60 plus knives that he developed, but he has this little catch feature on the edge of the knife. And I'll just show you since I'm already, you know, I'm kind of on camera, but this right here is a catch feature. And so this catch feature catches right open. Now, mind you, this is one of my knives, but his knife, that's how he discovered it because what he was looking for was a blade catcher. Uh So in a knife fighting situation, you're looking to you know, catch a blade so you can turn it around, get it out of your way so you can do your business to get back at your enemy. Well, he went home and he deployed it out of his pocket. And when he pulled it out of his pocket, he was just amazed. He couldn't believe that this particular, and I'm going to move this so you can kind of see it. Uh This particular thing just popped out of his pocket like that because it caught onto the edge of the pant loop. Uh He couldn't figure out what the heck. He did it a couple of times, and then that's it. History was made for him. He developed a a patent for it and made a boatload of money selling his knives. 
His knives are insanely well-built, well, I mean, structured. They're just awesome. Thing is, is that he decided to allow his patent to be used by two or three companies. But initially, he worked with a company out in Italy. In uh, Magnago, Italy, it was uh, the name of the company is Fox Knives. And so I found all this stuff out and I said, well, his knife is $270 at the time. Now it's $310, but their knife is $130. And I was like, why is it less than half the price? I ordered both knives, put them through the rigors. I beat the crap out of these knives. They both held up well. And I kind of figured because I said, you know, here you have German and Italian made product. You know, when it comes to knives, that's what Europeans are known for, especially Italy and Germany, they're knives. Uh And I'm thinking, wow, this is fantastic. This is a high quality knife, just as good as Ernest Emerson's, not better, but just as good. And I want to do the right justice by marketing the heck out of this product. So I did it on an alternative news media show because at the time I was listening to Alex Jones and man, that dude's intense. I contacted his team sent out the knife and I started advertising and man, we were killing sales initially. But then he got so big that he started upping his advertising costs and it put me kind of out of mm-hmm. the affordability range. I couldn't do it. So I went back down to zero right when I was just starting to get noticed. And then I contacted a YouTube tactical review site company uh, that did reviews on tactical equipment. I thought they had a website or whatever. They said, no, we just strictly do YouTube video reviews. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, look, I got a knife. I told him about it. I'm down to my last dollars. I didn't tell him how much I had. I only had about $11,000 left. And they were going to do a series of four videos with this particular Karambit knife, with Fox Knife. And they were going to do this. And they were going to charge me $97.50. I said, well, that brings me pretty much down to nothing. Uh, They promised me the world. They said everything was going to work out. And I said, yeah, whatever. I kind of just, for me, it was just going balls out at that point. Uh I said, it's either this, this either works or it doesn't, or I go look for a job as a programmer. And that's literally what I was going to get into. Gave them the knife. They came back. They contacted me. They said, lad, we're going to give you a Jimmy video. I said, what do you mean? We're just going to give you something. Okay. A 30 second video. Just let us know how it works. We're still going to do your other four videos. We're just going to give this one to you for free. I said, okay, sure. They did it. They came back. I saw the video. I thought it was really cool. And uh, within three weeks of them releasing that, I made my $10,000 back. And it didn't stop. Dude, it took off. The problem that I had, though, <laughs> massive lesson to learn. Don't share everything. <laughs> so that, that's my next question for you is like, you know, what's your worst experience you've ever had? Because I mean, you told a story of how you got into that business, how you mm-hmm. develop it, you showed the success of it. So my next question is, and I kind of know this story to a certain extent, right? Yeah. What was the worst experience? Like, what was the negative side effect of this? So the best of my worst experience, it gained popularity. The worst of it was I told the wrong person. That is something that I had to learn and embrace. It took me a while to embrace that because I didn't. I was very embittered. I was angry at myself. I told him, man, this thing has taken off. Dollar signs were ringing in his mind because he too is a capitalist. And I probably would have done the same thing. But anyway, regardless, we started doing more videos. And then as we did more videos, it grew in popularity. So his site was gaining traction because I was gaining traction. 
it was a synergistic thing that worked together. Hmm. And that combination was incredible. Competition. I built my website, did really well with it. He was doing great with the videos. But the unfortunate part of that was when I told him what I told him, again, those eyes of greed, man, it was just triggered right then. But of course, I didn't know this. I had no idea what was going to be coming. And so hold up. Was he a business partner of yours? No, he wasn't. What he was was a videographer. His partner left the video company. I'm not going to reveal names, but his partner left. And what happened was um, I didn't realize until later why he left. That was part of the reason why. And it was because I don't know if I was that main trigger or not. I probably could have been that he just couldn't take that anymore. So he took over the greedy guy. <laughs> he took over, but he was an editor. He was a filmographer and an editor. He was great. Oh my God. The guy was incredibly talented. So I couldn't knock him for that at all. Thing was, is that now I contacted him still unaware of what his plan was. And I said, look, I know we're using this one knife guy who's wielding the product, but I've been really trying to get in touch with this other dude. And uh, for the last year and a half, I finally found out how to contact him. I sent him some knives and I sent my knives to this guy. He was just within an hour. He contacted me after he received it. You know, he's flipping around the knife, doing his, you know, dance with the knife. And he said, man, this thing is incredible. When can we do some videos? I said, I'll hook you up with him right now. Uh -huh. Now, of course, he lived in Toronto, Canada. The other guy lived in, you know, right on the border of New York and Canada. So it was only about a four-hour drive. He drove out there. They both hooked up. They did a series of uh, four videos for me. It was done. Dude, I went from zero to over a million dollars in gross sales within less than three years. Uh -huh. But going back to where things failed, where it started to fail was I got too open about what I was making. Now, he wanted a piece of the action. The other guy that was wielding the product. Who's he? You're talking about the videographer? Doug Markaita. No, I'm talking about Doug Markaita, the oh, knife okay. guy. Okay. The guy who was wielding the product. Gotcha. And so what happened, and I'll tell you more about Doug later. Unless some of you people already know the name Doug Markaita, you probably know and I'll tell you who he is. But through the videos that I was paying for, and I paid for everything. Mind you, I was paying for everything. Neither the filmography company that was doing all the videos, a tactical company, nor Doug, nobody put any skin in the game, except they just did some videos. Literally a handful of videos that took a day, day and a half of work to do. The rest of it made its money on its own because of reoccurring playing on YouTube, people watching it and then going to my website and buying my product. Uh -huh. So with that said, at the end of all of it, he came back and he said, okay, we want to develop another knife because he knew we couldn't get money off the initial knife. He was trying to build another knife because he got that idea from Doug. Doug says, I want to take the same handle, but I want to create a different shaped knife. Can you design something like this? And he took some pictures and combined it. And so I designed the knife for him and submitted it to Fox. I co-designed it with Fox. We did it together. I did everything to millimetric spec. Presented it to Doug. Doug said, okay, that's great. Could you do something just a tad bit different on this? And I made a certain different cut on a particular part of the knife. I did what he asked, redesigned it, submitted it to Fox. Fox came back with the actual prototype, sent me the prototype, sent him the prototype. We fell in love initially with it. He was happy with it. So was I. Great. We put his name on the knife. Although I designed it with Fox, we put it on there, got it out there. 
and we did some videos mm -hmm. and boy did we blow up even more but now there's a contingency now we're splitting it not just with a small percentage i was still paying for the videos mm. and <laughs> they wanted a third of not the wholesale of the product the retail nobody did mm. that in the knife industry but i did so now i'm splitting money three ways when there was no skin in the game with these guys all they said was, my name, my name, my name. I am huge. I am going to be the face of the product. And it's my name with no skin in the game. That's how I termed it as. And that's how it was. So it totally still blew up. We did great. But I was starting to get upset with what was going on because I was just making it. I wasn't able to bank the way I was desiring to. So I started coming out with other designs and I was trying to build my brand. Mm -hmm. But what happened is they got into a falling out. And right when that started happening is when Doug got discovered after I spent probably about $250,000 on all the videos, Doug got discovered by the history channel, which he's now on the number one unscripted TV show called forged in fire. Mm. That's the history now of him. He came back and he thanked me for all the work that I did to get him discovered and all that. And I said, that's fine. You don't have to say that. I already know that. You know, there's no arrogance on my part because he still had talent himself. Mm -hmm. And he was great on screen. You watch that TV show. He's great with what he does. He wields a product well. He's good at what he does. Great personality. He's not one of these guys that you have take 15, 20 takes on a video. He's usually one take. That's it. He's really good. So for a guy that can do stuff impromptu right on the spot, I tell you, directors <laughs> and producers and editors love that stuff because they don't have to spend a whole lot of time going over it again and again. So his talent really reigned in that area. So I don't knock that. What I knock was the selfishness on both of them because we were supposed to do another set of videos because we had an improved product that we made on the knife that I designed with Fox that had his name on it. And I said, all we need is another day of film. That's it, filming. That's all you have, one day. That's all I asked for. We were gonna get a set of seven or eight new videos. Whoa, dude, that would have made two, $3 million off of that. I already know it would have. Hmm. But unfortunately, that's not what he did. He didn't care. He was getting bank off the show, broke the contract and left, and then left me hanging. And I had to, boom, start from scratch. So I don't blame him, but boy, did I, I was happy for him, but I was angry at the same time. So it created a lot of, you know, bitterness in my heart and it took me a year and a half to get over that. And that's the other thing I had to learn that, you know what, when things happen, how am I going to deal with stuff? How am I going to handle this emotion? Because things are going to come. I can only look at what I created. I revealed too much information when I shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. And I should have had a backup plan, which I didn't. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a contingency. I banked on this to work. Now, I did have somewhat of a backup plan, mm -hmm. but it wasn't aggressive and it wasn't the same. And so my business, although it's doing okay, it's not where it was before. So that's my question to you is like, how did you overcome that? Cause I mean, you're talking about you potentially had a business that was generating anywhere between one to $3 million annually. 
And obviously you had a three-way split. So that cut into your margin significantly. Then a period after that, then you lost the main guy, right? The kind of like the face of the brand to a certain extent, which dropped yep. down your business even more. So is that business still active? And how did you recover from that setback? Well, the business is still on, okay. but it's slow. It's not the same. Okay. And the reason why, <laughs> there's another added reason why, you know, this is not to spite Google, Facebook, or whoever. Look, they got the rules. And I've had to learn how to adjust to those rules. Yep. Even though I couldn't advertise using AdWords because of the yep. word knife, because they deemed the word yep. knife as Same a weapon. Facebook. And yep. it doesn't matter, even if you're selling cutlery knives, mm -hmm. you can't advertise the word knife. And the same thing with Facebook. You can't use Facebook Boost at the time. Yeah. You couldn't use that. And you couldn't advertise on YouTube. But what you could do was you could show pictures. You can show videos for free. That's where that worked. But there's a limit to that. Because then the small outreach that you have, there's a cap. And you definitely need to pay for advertising to make that happen. Had I been able to do that, with that product of mine that I still have, oh, I know I'd be sitting on 10, 15, 20 million dollars right now. So what's the name of the website? The website's called theultimateknife.com, the ultimate knife. And that's my initial site. The newest site is Mandiola Defense. That's where I really gear more, more of the uh, new people that I want on, that I have a desire to get on there, mm -hmm. is mandiolodefense.com. So Mandiola is spelled M-A-N as in man, D as in David, I-O-L-A. It's pronounced the way it's spelled, mandioladefense.com. So you get on there, and that's where I developed and co-developed my next knife, which were improvements on the other knife. And the cool thing that I like about this knife is that I decided to take a Tonto blade and a Karambit blade and do a recurve. Nice. So I patented the design with a tooling feature that actually can use any quarter bit hex nib. I see it. Yeah. And you can put the attachment on there and then you can take the attachment off. And now you have what they would call a notch feature that catches on the edge of your pant loop. So it's two purposes in one, mm -hmm. a tool and then a one handed deployable defense knife. So you yeah. can still deploy it with one hand. And then I created... You know, I have two knives that I have right now. Mm -hmm. So that's what I have. I have a traditional karambit called the CDHK, short mm -hmm. for cold, dead, hands, karambit. And then I have another one. I see a little smile on the face. And yeah. then I have another <laughs> one called the Caranto. It's a Tonto karambit. And I combined the two words, trademarked it, called it the Caranto. Mm -hmm. So Mike Velikamp, who I've known, geez, for over 10 years had been the one that initially got me into all of this because uh, he worked with Fox Knives. I got a really good friendship with him. He's an mm -hmm. amazing knife designer, traditional CAD designer. He'll make a knife from start to finish. Now me, I do everything in Photoshop and Illustrator. Beyond that, that's it. I don't understand CAD. I have to submit myself, or I should say, I have to submit the line design drawings to mm -hmm. a company like Fox or to someone like Mike Velikamp and then get the knife produced physically so I can actually have a prototype. But Mike designed the patent that I purchased, which is called the VEX drive, which is that tooling feature. So we could actually have not only a tooling feature, but also a catch feature. That's what we developed. And so that's what I have right now. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think I ever told you this, but Karambit is my knife of choice. So, like, when it comes down to, like, tactical hand-to-hand combat, I mean, yep. it's the only knife that really makes sense in that environment. It's not a really big defense knife, but it's a great offense knife. So, definitely, yep. I'm just looking at it. It's definitely a pretty sweet design. I want to add this, and I say this with the right kind of pride, so forgive my mm-hmm. arrogance. Mm-hmm. There is nobody in the knife industry that has the fastest one-handed deployable defense knife with a tooling feature. Mm-hmm. For the money that you can spend utilizing still 154 CM stainless steel. Hmm. Now, it's a particular grade of steel because you have 440C. And just to educate you a little bit, 440C doesn't rust. It's a great steel. We have it in our silverware. It'll outlive us more than likely. You know, Hmm. we use the knives and forks that we have. If we buy a good quality knife and fork set for our household, usually those knives go through dishwasher, whatever, never rust. Hmm usually never tarnish. They're fantastic to use. But the thing is, the edge retention doesn't hold as well as better compound steels. And in Taiwan, your better compound steel over 440C is what they call S30V. Now, S30V is a better grade steel because it has a better edge retention And what I mean by that is that it holds a better edge for a longer period of time that you don't have to sharpen it constantly. Now, here in America, 154 CM stainless steel is of the same quality as Taiwanese made steel. American steel has the same kind of quality in the sense of edge retention. And then you have, in Italy, they utilize what they call N690. Hmm. cobalt stainless steel and that's their better made steel so here you have these three steels that are equal to each other in strength and we're talking about now there's a thing called a rockwell hardness Hmm. and rockwell hardness on the edge of a blade 440c is right around 52 to 56 the higher the number the better the edge retention and when you're dealing with the next edge of better retention with all those three steels that I mentioned from those prospective countries, you're now talking about 58 to 60 in the Rockwell hardness, a higher number. Mm -hmm. The best steel you'll ever own, which is incredibly expensive, is LMAX. LMAX steel, we're talking anywhere from 62 to 64. You're not going to get any better than that. Mm -hmm. And if there is a steel out there, I don't know it. But now we're talking about malleable steel. When you're talking about edge retention, your better steels really are when it comes to sharpening. And this I got from Mike Velikamp. He said, honestly, Vlad, I'm going to tell you the better steel for me that I love is 154CM. And it's Niagara Specialty Company in New York. They're the only company in this country that makes that steel. Well, guess what? Ernest Emerson's been using that from the beginning. And what I decided to do with his... $310 knife that he sells. Now, mind you, he's got a ton of other knives that he sells. I decided to use that same steel from that same company. I exported it out to Taiwan and had my knife made. So my knife, with the exception of the liner part of my knife. Now, the liner is the inside Mm -hmm. of the knife. Ernest Emerson uses titanium. I use regular stainless steel. Now, when you're talking about this type of real estate and the size of the real estate that you're dealing with, Mm -hmm. the rigidity and strength doesn't make a difference. It's negligible. So you don't have to use titanium. 
I think personally using titanium would be better, of course, in a sense of, you know, that's an upsell, but it becomes very expensive because it is. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to make something that's going to be able to handle the same kind of rigors and the same kind of quality. And we're going to use 154 CM stainless steel and look at my price. $129.95 for this knife. Nobody, not even on sale, sells this knife for this price. Nobody has it. Nobody. And like you said, the Karambit knife for self-defense purposes, you know what? Every time I see a fight scene in a movie, I'm like, wow, that could have ended really quick with a Karambit. They would have been done so fast with a Karambit knife. Why? Because you don't have to take your eye off of the situation that's coming at you when you're being assailed, all you have to do is reach back with your index finger and pull the ring finger because it's all memory muscle reflex, MMR, memory muscle reflex. We're talking about your fingertips are like your eyes. When you look for your wallet, when you look for your keys, you already know where to go with your hands because your mind picks up on it very quickly. And as you're groping, you immediately feel that knife and then you pull it out, catches on that pant loop and then bang. You're wicked oh. fast. It takes a split second before you can make contact. When you pull it out and you make contact with the assailant that's coming at oh. you, it's a done story. It really finished. But anyway. So I could definitely, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted you on the show. Your passion, whatever you're talking about, is going to pour out. And it's literally one of those things. It's like an open faucet without a, a cap. And you'll just spit that information out. Is that something that you picked up from like, ancestors in your family and more so from the entrepreneurial background side of things is you anybody in your family have that aspect or is that just something that you just grew into on your own my father is from santiago chile and my okay. mother is from warsaw poland and okay. so my wife's afro-american so my kids are confused anyways <laughs> i look at you know my parents and uh they're great i love them <laughs> My dad, he came up from Miami and he got off the boat when he was 18, worked his way up to Boston, Massachusetts. Okay. My mother, she literally ran for her life because of the war back in World War II. Okay. Uh, I just remember her story because uh, briefly to tell you, she lived in a building that was going to get bombed. And my grandmother, her mom, obviously, mm-hmm. knew the bomb was coming. The planes were coming to bomb that area because the Germans were coming and uh, literally grabbed her threw her over her shoulder, and as they were running out of the building about two blocks down, she saw the bomb hit that building, and Mm -hmm. it tumbled down. So her life obviously got saved. She would have died, Mm -hmm. and she was two years old. And so when those memories hit you at that age, that's shock value. You're not going to forget that. So anyway, she came to Watertown, Massachusetts by the age of nine. They found their way to get to America. Mm -hmm. The great place that we all live and uh, the great idea of freedom that we have, I'm very grateful for. Both my parents found each other through a friend that mutually knew the both of them, introduced Mm -hmm. them. And so one thing led to another, they got married, my brother came and then I came next. But through that time, as I was growing up, my dad, nine to five, my mother, nine to five, but then my mother got laid off and she was trying to figure out how can I do my own thing? Mm. So she started a consignment shop where- she had people come in, bring in their clothes. She would make some profit. They would make some profit. And so that's how she did her business. And she did that for about six, seven years. And through that time, I grew up with that. Hmm. Seeing my father being as boisterous and as loud as he was, and same thing with my mother, uh, of course, the many arguments that they had. I don't know if any of that had anything to do with who I was. But regardless, 
I learned a lot from the both of them to a degree, but I was still staunchly taught that I needed to go to school, get good grades, and then finish school, go to college, get a good job, mm-hmm. and then go from there. And I'm thinking, why are you telling me this, mom? I can't figure this out. Here you are doing what you're doing. And I only told her this years later, but you're not thinking of this when you're 16, 17, 18, because your mind's not knowing how to decipher, at least for most people, mm-hmm. to be able to say, it sounds hypocritical. You're telling me to do something you're not doing. All I did was I just paid attention to what she just said because these are my mentors. These are my influence. These are my parents. So whatever they say, I guess I just have to do. And so that's the reason why I went through all those jobs. Because again, round peg in a square hole doesn't Uh work. And God was trying to lead me down a path. He was like, all right, I'm going to keep on showing you this path. You're just going to be hard-headed about it. You got something in you. You can do this. I was just lacking confidence. That's what the issue was. And then when I started experimenting, and thankfully, just got to tell you, my wife, if it wasn't for her, this would have never happened. She was the one working while I was taking care of the boys. So as soon as she got the boys out of her, man, and she's back to work, Uh here I am taking care of two babies, and I'm trying to figure things out on my own, entrepreneurially. And that's where it all started. And then that's where I gained most of my confidence. So that's a good segue to So how do you juggle your work-life balance today, right? So, I mean, you were talking about in the beginning, you're saying you have a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old, fast forward 18 years of marriage. How do you juggle your entrepreneurial hustle with your work life in today's world? Well, you got to be flexible. I think that's the main thing. Mm-hmm. My wife gets on me so much like, you need to go to bed earlier. Well, my brain doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. I'm up till four or five o'clock in the morning sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I try to go to bed at three, you know, <laughs> that's still mm-hmm. late for a lot of people. But I get six hours of sleep regardless. Mm-hmm. I get up at nine. If I go to bed at three, I get up at nine. If I go to bed at four, I get up at 10. You know, go to bed at five, I get up at 11. I still have my organized time of what I do. Mm-hmm. So I have a regimen that I've been holding on to staunchly because we have a, as you know, we have a great mentor and uh, the guy that, you know, is mentoring us now, his main thing is about structure. So touch bases on that. I mean, what's your morning habits? Like you to go ahead and break that out. My morning habit. And it's been this way for, well, nine months now. Mm-hmm. I honestly had to take a break from listening to Alex Jones. Believe me, that was part of my morning routine, which wasn't helpful. Not that what he was sharing isn't true. I mean, the stuff he shares and the people he gets on, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, and he's very intense. So if you can handle his intensity, but what happened is it brought a lot of negativity and a sense of the reality of what we're facing, even right now with all the garbage that's going on in this world, all the stuff he predicted, you know, years ago, it's all happening now. And it's not even his prediction. He had people on the show saying what was going to happen. Of course, some of those guests have disappeared. So anyway, (laughs) with that said, I had to take a break. So I made a decision in December. I'm not listening to this anymore. I already know about what's coming. I already know about what's here. I need to focus on what I need to do for my life, my walk with God, and my walk with my family, because this is not helping me right now. It's not serving me. I had to find things that were going to serve me so I could serve that purpose better. And so my morning routine right now is I get up. I literally do the same thing I teach my kids. Get up, wash your face, brush your teeth, 
<laughs> Drink some water, get some breakfast in your system, and then go and pray and meditate. Take 15, 20 minutes out of your day. I don't care if you read a scripture or a passage or a story in the Bible. I don't care if you pray or meditate. Do one of those three things. Mostly, I'll meditate and pray and read through some scriptures that help me. But that is my morning routine. And then I'll come in and organize my time because it helps me to focus. Believe it or not, people that have to deal with their ADHD to that extent, really, I'm going to tell you right now, as much as you might think it's corny, meditation is insanely incredible. Really helps your mind to focus. And if you stay away from sugar, you're mostly on protein, vegetables, and water. And really, that's my main staple of diet. If you're doing that, dude, your brain, even though you battle with, you know, distraction here and there, is going to deal with focus so much better. So for me, that's what helps me. And so my morning routine beyond just meditation gets in to figure out, okay, what was I going to be doing for this week? And what am I going to be doing today? Of course, I have a monthly goal or have an annual goal. But that's how I start my routine to figure out what I'm going to plan out for the day. Things do get thwarted sometimes and you have to figure out other things. You know, we had a death in our family, have to sell the house now for my mother-in-law. And I have to deal with helping my wife because now she's in mourning, but yet she's having to deal with title issue stuff. So things happen, things come through and how can I be a better support? What can I do to get the house fixed, prepped up and all that? And what do I do to need to move boxes and move furniture, sell stuff? And we're all tag teaming together, try to handle this stuff while she's in mourning (laughs) and I'm like trying to figure all this stuff out with her. But see, that's good because your better preparation is through meditation. And then what is your daily goal that you're going to be reaching today? Mm -hmm. That is basically what I do. And that's what's helped me to get to this point right now where I'm able to move forward and deal with things better without being anxious. Yeah. And I think part of that is what you brought up uh, mentorship and we're talking about, you know, Ty Cohen, right? Oh yeah. Ty. And, (laughs) Ty, obviously, I'm coming after you. You're gonna. Get, I have to get you on this show sooner or later. So I'm just gonna put that out into the cosmos and I'm gonna make oh, that happen. Oh, you gotta get him and I and you on the show <laughs> together. Oh, yep. dude, that would be awesome. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, Ty, I think he was a, one of the beautiful things about Ty's mentorship is obviously he's teaching you how to make money, teaching you how to make wealth online, but he really yeah. goes back into how do you maintain and hold on to that money. And, and part of your morning routine is part of that, right? You have to kind of take the yeah. information in and one of the books, which was Think and Grow Rich, which was part of his mentorship, talks yeah. about that. The mastermind principles is essentially what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the books that he, he suggested for us to read. And I said, I'm thinking to myself, man, I remember reading that book and I don't read books. I do not read books. I was terrible with that. I, of course, with my ADHD, I'd get past the first chapter and I'd go, what the heck did I just read? You know, so, but the one book that really captivated me and kept me engaged was Think and Grow Rich. I literally read it cover to cover two or three times. Thing was, is that I only implemented a few principles. I didn't do really all of it. And I was 23 when I read that. Here I am 53, fast forward 30 years later. And I'm like, wow. I'm listening to this again like it's a new thing for me. And that book is incredibly helpful. Even though it was written in 1937, still, the principle And one of the other books that he mentioned, which really took me, it was like Think and Grow Rich Mm 2.0, was A Happy Pocket Full of Money, written by David Cameron Gikandi. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm a little different than Ty. Ty 
God, he spent a whole summer. He said, I must have listened to that audiobook 30. I think he said like 60 times. So mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I listened to it like 30, 30 plus times. I'm probably about almost 50 times into it. That is one of, again, that's part of my morning and daily routine. Mm-hmm. I'll pick a chapter or two and I'll listen to it while I'm working to get the mindset going. It's all about how to reprogram the mind mm-hmm. and how to talk to your subconscious, even out loud and saying, no, I'm not going to listen to that. And literally saying that my wife was like, huh? no, I'm just talking to myself, babe. That's all. Forgive me. But I talked to myself. She thinks I'm bad, crazy. And I'm like, <laughs> and Ty was sharing that. And I said, oh, we're doing the same thing. All right. Yeah, <laughs> this is yeah. great. You know, yeah. so it's one of those things that like-minded people, mm-hmm. you start becoming a lot like them. And I didn't realize how I've been able to be mentored and imitate what he's doing in that way. Mm-hmm. Because, hey, you know what? This dude's making $300,000 plus a month. That's worthy of whatever he's doing in his routine, worthy of imitation, yeah. you know? And if it's good and it's going to help and it's edifying and it's going to help you grow, then why not learn from somebody who can teach you? Mm -hmm. And I decided, I said, man, you know, as driven as I am, I'm like, I got to find a way to get in touch with this Gakandi guy. I got, I don't know how to do this. And I'm like going crazy trying to figure out how to reach out to him. I figured it out. I emailed him. I didn't know it was him that I was emailing, Mm -hmm. but it was and contact him three and a half weeks later. I get this email. Hey, lad, it's good to hear from you. And yeah, these programs, da, da, da. And then we went back and forth. And Mm -hmm. then I said, hey, here's my Skype information. I don't use it. I use WhatsApp. And I go, oh, okay. I'm new to WhatsApp. I'm using it too. But hey, let me give you my contact information. Boom. We hit it right off. And we got a friendship. Dude, he contacted me last night. He was needing some information. And we were able to talk to each other. But I appreciate now that I have a friendship with him. Mm -hmm. And he's really a great asset to have. The guy's insanely incredible, but very busy. So it's, to me, I'm kind of yeah. shocked that he'd even contact me. But again, you know, I'm very thankful for that. And so what I did was I decided to say, hey, Ty, I was able to get in touch with David Gakandi. I'd like to see if we could set up an interview. Mm-hmm. And, and so we did. We set up that time and we have a mentoring group that you're a part of as well. Mm-hmm. It's a 25K group, you know, the KCF. It's a Kindle Cash Flow KCF uh, 25K group, uh, mastermind group. And we got together, did a great interview, loved it, and uh, would love to do it again. But I'm telling you, man, Ty and the mindset mm-hmm. and the sessions we've gone through, this guy is full dedication. And the thing that I appreciate about Ty the most. And the thing that irritated me initially the most, I'm like, get on to the lesson. Why are you talking about this mindset? This is not serving me. (laughs) He said, make sure you keep the money, right? Exactly. So I'm thinking, just teach a lesson. You know what was so great about it? Mm -hmm. Every session, he would spend 30, 40 minutes Mm -hmm. getting into the mindset before he laid out his plan Mm -hmm. and his goal about, here's what I'm going to be doing today, guys. But it was so great and that he's still doing it today. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, really, guys, it's about mindset and about getting this working. You don't get this working right, you're not going to know what to do. You'll have an idea, but you're never going to fulfill it. It'll never come to fruition. Mm. And believe in whatever you want to believe, universe, God, whatever. I put my hope in God, ultimate creator. He is the universe. (laughs) He's our creator. And something had to create this. Anyway, I won't get too deep into that, but I'll just say this. My thing is, is that my connection with him is constant. 
And without that connection through meditation and through prayer, there's no way I'd be even here. There's no way. I know for a fact I'd be homeless. Last bit of information that you just gave us. I mean, we touched on a, a couple of different things, right? And I, I think if I was actually the next question, I would think the first and foremost answer would be your brain is one of the probably greatest assets that you use on a daily basis. What are the mm-hmm. tools besides your brain that you use on a regular basis you would not be able to do your business without? Networking. That is vitally key. That's how I got to yeah. know you, Chanel. It's true. I'm an initiator. I network like crazy. Mm-hmm. I just put it out there. It's kind of like, going fishing you just have to cast mm-hmm. your rod and your bait you just mm-hmm. cast it out there mm-hmm. you're not going to know until you put it out there you're not going to know if that's going to be a place where there's going to be some fish or not that you can catch mm-hmm. and there's other resources one of the things that robert kiyosaki taught and this i never forgot you can't be john wayne and do it by yourself you just can't you're headed for total disaster if you do that and that's where my adhd shines how that facet of my brain works mm-hmm. is that am able to pinpoint and notice other people's talents that I don't have. Mm-hmm. And how can I utilize their talent where it can serve me as well as them? And mm-hmm. how can we network together so they benefit and I benefit? And that's another thing Robert taught. Mm-hmm. You don't think that you're going to come into something and that somebody's going to help you without some skin in the game, buddy. Mm-hmm. And that's how he did it. He's like, I didn't have any money, but I got my time. I got my resources Mm -hmm. and I guarantee if I pitch myself to this person so I can get their resources, they're going to want some of my resources. Mm -hmm. And that's just networking talent. He says, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I was a horrible writer from what he said. And look at, I got the best selling books. Why? Because I had other people helping me. Mm -hmm. And there's no way that I could have got where I'm at today without other people's help. And he found out what his talent was, which helped me find out my talent, which was very Mm -hmm. similar. He just knew how to find other people that were better than him to do his work that he needed. So if he needed some legal assistance, he found the right attorneys. Of course, he had to build his way up because he he could only afford so much in the Mm -hmm. beginning, got better attorneys as they came along. Now he's got top-notch attorneys handling his business. Mm -hmm. Same thing with his CPA. You know, started small, worked his way up. So that's exactly what I have done. And what I continue to do today. This is the reason why I've been able to reland on my feet and get myself set with a better foundation because it's not just me. I have a network of people that I work with that help me with their perspective talents that I don't have. But we work with each other synergistically to make things happen. I think one thing that you left out of that, I mean, and I know for you, you're looking at it from a very linear standpoint about you just go out there and network. But I think the bigger thing is that you're fearless with that, right? A lot of people, that's the yeah. intuition that they bite their tongue because they're scared of what the results may be. If for you, you don't give a shit. You just get it done. Yeah. And I apologize for not sharing that because that to me is a given. And if yeah. you don't have that mindset, I'll just say this, get over yourself. Really, just get over yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, when someone says you can do it, you got to tell yourself that. Mm. I have a little picture in the back here in my office. It just says, I am. I just printed it out. I am. And that's a happy pocket full of money statement. And being in that I am and being statement in that mindset, you got to be in that being mindset. Mm-hmm. You are great. So I just have to put the attachment. I am great. I am worthy because God knows I am. Mm. 
I am a loving husband. Of course, my wife will tell you different probably. I am a loving father. I am a great money earner. I am an entrepreneur. Put whatever attachment you want to put on there. I am working on continually being humble. When you attach the I am, find those other words. It's not going to be easy initially because I sat there and I said, I don't know what to say. Because I was so downtrodden because of my failing business with my knife business, because I thought I failed, I had people come up to me and say, lad, do you know what you just did? I said, no. You were able to do what 99% of the people will never be able to experience. You went from nothing, and in less than four years, you were making over a million dollars. And that was just you and your shipper? And a few good videos? You should be ashamed of yourself. You're a success. I didn't see it that way. Because all I thought is, I got another failed business. I'm a failure. God, you must hate me. I'm a loser. I deserve what's coming to me. Well, guess what? God answers that prayer. And if you continue to think that way, as a man thinketh, so is he. Well, guess what? That's where I was at. I had a few friends that came up to me that actually helped me. To get to the point where I was just like, you know what? I got to give this up. I got to get back on the train of where God wants and uh-huh. desires for me to be. And that's when I made that decision. It wasn't easy. It's not going to be. But man, as soon as I went to that session when I was with you at yep. the Learn Center, two weeks prior, I made that decision. There is no turning back. I watched Ty. Actually, I watched him. It was August 17th when he put out that video with Onik. Yep. And there was something about Ty that was different from any other person that I listened to. I said, why do I trust him? Hmm. Now, I know we're not supposed to put our trust in man because we're not. Hmm. But why do I trust what he's talking about and the way he's conveying this information? I knew immediately when he was on screen, I said, this dude's an introvert. And then he even said he was. He said, I'm an introvert. I would have just kept this information to myself, but I kept on getting encouraged not to mm. because I was so good at it. You got to teach other people if mm. you really want to get big at what you're doing. Mm. So he was battling with his own confidence issues. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I appreciate, it brought back to me, I can do this. And he's about the same age as I am. He's 48. I'm 53. We're not too far off in age here. Mm-hmm. In the last 10 years, where I went from, you know, rags to riches, back to rags, mm-hmm. here he is, rags to riches, and he's still growing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's doing something I need to imitate from. I think it's his so, circles. It's his yeah. inner circles. I mean, like, Greg Caesar is another person yeah. that's in his circle that I actually had opportunity to interview for this show as well. And just speaking to Greg, you can see Greg was like the bug in his ear saying, you have to take this content and you have to give it to the world. So yeah. I think it was the support of his circle that made Ty even bigger to where he is currently right now. I mean, you're talking about Anik, right? Anik is another monster yep. of an entrepreneur and just having yeah, a circle is. of those community of people always saying, Hey yeah. guy, you could do more. There's no way you can fail. They're not going to let you fail because they're always going to be tapping on your shoulder saying you could do more. And the key thing that I see with those three men, and that's the amazing thing. When I listen to Onik, I said, wow, he's Robert Kiyosaki 2.0. Yep. He is the new Robert. And even Robert said it. Yep. And I can't find this four and a half minute video that Robert said. He said, man, 
it took me decades to get where I'm at. And you're seeing millionaires pop up like out of nowhere. It takes them two, three years. And he said, man, that really pisses me off. Mm. So I'm like, you know, because where things are at today, it's so much more different. You can make things in an instant. And I'm thinking, Mm. I can do this. I know that this can happen. And, you know, things don't just happen by chance. They just don't. And if you guys think it does, it doesn't. It comes again in the mind. And when you put it out there and you live by faith, having that faith as small as a mustard seed, as I know we've heard that so many times, Mm -hmm. that's the thing. I mean, even even Jesus said it. He says, you know, he talked about this so many times about belief. For anybody that puts their heart out there, God will reward a man according to what his deeds go after, according Mm -hmm. to what his deeds deserve. But you have to do it through faith. The mindset of just knowing, you know what? I'm shaking in my boots, but I'm just going to take this leap. I'm just going to do it. That's the point. That's the crossroads of just doing it. When I went to that event, I even shared it. It was hard for me to share and be humble in front of people and say, you know what? I have to start over. Hmm. It was hard for me. Yeah. I was doing what I was doing money-wise, and now I'm having to start over again Hmm. at my age. Wait, I was supposed to build my legacy. My legacy was already supposed to be built. What happened? Got to get over that. Again, I had to talk to myself and say, look, that chapter's done. God's going to put you someplace different. It's time to grow. Embrace those mistakes and take them as learning experiences that you're not going to repeat again. You know better now. Now it's time to take what this man has to teach, that being Ty, and implement these principles. God was telling me, dude, my son, you got to grow and you got to get reconnected with me. And I am fighting for you. God said this very clearly in Exodus 14, 14. And I read it before, but I never quite got it. And then it hit me when I read it like it was the first time. God is fighting for you. You need only to be still. And that has stuck with me for the last year. I'm telling you, man, it is incredible what God can do what our creator can do and what you can do and what I can do and stay humble about it and not be arrogant. It's okay to say, you know what? I'm great because God knows I am. There's nothing wrong with saying that. As long as you have the humble perspective of going after, trying to figure out what it is that you are good at and then just putting it out there. For people that don't get it, and I know you were trying to help me to understand where my mistake was is that, yeah, you know what? Not a lot of people have that kind of, you know, that old word that we hear, gumption, mm-hmm. you know, that backbone, that stick that faith, that, you know, it can work. I can do this. This can happen. And then what? Five minutes later, I'm an idiot. I'm a loser. No, 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 no. Again, you got to talk out loud. I'm not. I am what God says I am. He's fighting for me. I just need to be still. I'm not going to let anything that's going to destroy what I'm working and rebuilding on. And that's what I appreciate about Ty and men like him. Hmm. Don't worship the guy. No. But I appreciate deeply 
what he has done to restructure and help mentor us the way he has. Mm-hmm. He's really great. I'm telling you, if you guys are looking into getting into a mentoring program, that 25K group, insanely incredible. He, he only committed himself to do eight sessions. That's what we were paying for. And when we hit into our sixth session, I was like, are we done? Because we haven't even started yet. And, you know, it kind of came up. And he said, guys, don't worry about it. I'm not going to do to you what you think. I'm going to give you so much more. Yeah. And you know where we're at right now? Week 23. Yeah, I would say 23, 22. Yeah. yeah. Would you believe it? Week 23. He could have stopped a long time ago. Hmm. He literally teaches you step by step from beginning to end until you get it. And it's all on video now. So somebody that comes in that pays in for this program, they didn't have to wait like we did, like, oh, we got to wait two weeks to get an answer mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, five days when we Voxer them or what. We don't have to, we don't have to be concerned about. Now it's in the lesson. You can replay the lesson, go to the next lesson. It picks up right from the last lesson. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, he literally teaches you what to do so you can succeed. And now the funnel that we launched because he does it through ClickFunnels. If anyone's you know doesn't know this, he utilizes ClickFunnels with his PLR program that he teaches. And there's an hour and 40 minute intro session that he does on YouTube that kind of explains that more in full. But um, I'm going to tell you, since I've launched it, it's growing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, I got a new membership. I got a renewing membership and I got more sales coming in now. And so it's now starting to kick off and it's happened in the last two weeks. I've had 20 sales and memberships included. I'm like, this is starting to grow. We're starting to see some success. This is awesome. And what that does, it catapults this to grow even further. I got to build another funnel. Got to do another one. Already my mind is thinking forward about what to do next. So that I am greatly appreciative of with Ty. So anyway. Yep, yep. So I guess next part of this this cast, and we're going to probably get ready to close it out, is how can people find you online? I mean, Facebook, Instagram. I mean, you told us about theultimateknife.com. What's your online handles? Well, you pretty much said it right there. Anybody, (laughs) if anybody (laughs) needs to contact me that way, I mean, just type in Ladislaw Mandiola. There's nobody Mm -hmm. with my name. You know, I hated that name my dad gave to me because I was, my middle name is Carl. And I'm like, everyone calls me Carl. Wait, wait. <laughs> your middle name is Carl, but your first name and last name is like multiple syllables. But yeah, your middle name is I'm Carl. like, why would you do that, Dad? He says, because hey, that's just what I wanted to do. Carl, I'm telling you, I do what I want. I don't care. You know, I just <laughs> name you Ladislaw. It's my name. What, you ashamed of my name? You want me to smack you? I smack you. You know what I mean? I can smack you. So that was my father. Oh, hey, you making man. fun of my language now. Oh, that's nice. That's great. You're making fun of my language. So my dad was hilarious. Oh, but. Man. No, he gave me that name, and now I look at it. I'm so proud to have the name, but I had to shorten it to Lad. And it's like, why don't you use Carl? Because you know, when you're dealing with business, you have to use your official first and last name. So I just said, ah, screw it. I'm just gonna shorten the name at Lad. But if you want to find me, all you have to do, hey, you can get on my website. You know, the Ultimate Knife or Mandiola Defense. Uh, dot com. You can get on either one of those two sites. I got emails, whatever you can email me directly through there. Uh, you can call the phone number that's on there. You can reach me that way. I do have, like he said, Facebook. You can reach me on Messenger. I can go even beyond that. If you guys message me, I'll text you. I'll even give you my phone number. You can contact me that way. 
But first, you know, reach out to me, you know, Facebook and Messenger. And then once we get to know each other a little bit, if I feel like I can give you my number, I'll do that. And then, you know, we can contact each other that way. I'm more than happy to network and put myself out there. I'm more gotcha. than happy. So, and I hope that's enough for contact. I mean, oh yeah, I think definitely. definitely. So, so, so one of my bonus questions for you, and I'm looking forward to hearing your answer for, for this particular one is, um, if you could spend 24 hours with anybody dead or alive, uninterrupted, who would it be and why? Dead or alive? Yep. Dead or alive. Jesus. Okay. Why? Yeah. Well, he's God incarnate, so <laughs> you can't, can't get any better than that. Yeah. And again, this goes to anybody, whatever they believe, whatever. Mm-hmm. The man was incredible. It's weird. Why would I spend that time to learn even more? Just to be in his presence, the humility that he exuded, and the determination that he had, mm-hmm. his resoluteness to see justice done humbly by dying on the cross for our mess ups, that is insanely worthy of imitation. And uh, for me, I am indebted to him and what God's done to help me to understand that in full mm. by reading his word. It's a great guide. I know there's a lot of other guides out there and there's a lot of other things out there, but what's helped me to understand greatness is humility. Mm. And uh, some people just don't get that. But I'm so grateful for that because he was a perfect example of that. So much so he died for us. I mean, <laughs> wow, you know, mm. that to me is incredible. So yeah, mm. why and what would I learn from him? I would only know if I spent time with him. Uh, but mm. the main thing to me would be, I would just give him a big hug and tell him how much I love what he's done for me, mm. Uh, mm. how much I love his commitment to me. Mm. And understanding love is so much different than what a lot of people think it is. It's true commitment. And that's what he was, and that's what he is, and that's the reason why I would choose him over anything. Gotcha. All right, I got another bonus question for you. This is a little like a little fun bonus question. It's if you could be a superhero, who would it be, and why? My kids and I go over this stuff. I tell my kids, "Would you be quiet already? I'm tired of talking about this. What would I be? What would I be?" It's hard. Really, Mm. if you think about it, Mm. because there's so many different things you could do, Mm. I would choose the power of time, where I could bend and travel in time, because Mm. believe it or not, we live in that existence anyway. Mm. Time is an illusion, but because we're human, we can't fully understand that, but I would choose time. So Mr. Manhattan. To, yeah, to be able to go past, forward, wherever. Time travel, regardless of past or forward or present, that's what I would choose as a power and to use that to observe and learn and be an influence in some way. I would choose that. Sounds like Mr. Manhattan, if you're familiar with the DC side of comics, uh, Mr. Manhattan. Uh, I'm not, I don't read comics, so my kids gotcha. do. Sorry. When you get so. a chance, look up Mr. Manhattan, DC comic, Watchmen. It's exactly what you're explaining. I mean, he's at all times. I mean, he's in the past, present, and future in yeah. all existence at the same time. So it's definitely interesting that you went that route. I definitely appreciate you taking the time out today to, to come on the podcast. I mean, it was definitely an insightful episode. I think you gave a lot of jewels and a lot of detailed information on just what it's like to really be an entrepreneur through and through. Yeah. 
And I appreciate you having me on, man. I really do. And you know what? I am going to see what I can do to get Ty on here. I'm going to boxer him. I want to see what we can do to get this together. And I want to bring David. If the four of us, holy cow, that would be insane. I would love, I don't know if you're open to that, but dude, if you are, of course I would love so, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I'm going to do that today. I'm going to contact them both today. Cool. So cool. I look forward to it to see, see what they say. And uh, this is the part yeah. of the podcast where I just kind of like open up the mics to, if you have any questions for me, this is the time to ask. That's really hard for me because we've talked so much. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to find out what you did in your background, what happened with you. Mm-hmm. You gave me, you know, your history. So it's really, it's kind of hard to even ask a question. So I'm not prepared for that. So. <laughs> so forgive me. I really don't know what to ask. I'm dumbfounded right now. I'm like, eh, I don't know what to say. Catching what to lad off guard is like a one so, in a million opportunity right here. So hold on. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. All right, so I'm going to try to get creative here. Yeah. One of your most intriguing interviews so far to date that you've done since you've released Boss Uncaged. Wow. So I talked about on the recap episode, we talked about, um, it was a teacher that I interviewed, but I think in general, it's kind of hard for me to pick one person because I think I try to keep the podcast episodes diverse as possible. I don't want two people of the same background to fall consecutively. But I would say a really good one is probably the next one I'm going to release, which is C. Milano Harding. And he's a hybrid. He's one of these guys that he's a creative fashion designer, but he was a model when he was younger, still a model today. But he's an Ivy League graduate that does a lot of nonprofit work. So Mm. just having that conversation with him is kind of like, you know, he's a creative mind, but he's highly analytical. He's an artist, but he's also an executive. So to have that kind of conversation with him and you can kind of hear, he's very passionate as well. He's very animated when, when he speaks about particular topics, again, falling into fashion for the good is, is what he would deem it as. So I, I would think mm-hmm. that episode is up and coming. I think that that's definitely a, a memorable episode that I've had that just is long lasting content, much like your episode. It's long lasting content to deliver value, much like you were saying with Rich Dad Poor Dad. It could be 10 years from now, 20 years from now. This episode is going to hold weight because the topics we're talking about are evergreen topics. Yeah. And you know, that to me is incredible because when you look at young people now, Mm -hmm. they laud after that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Mm -hmm. they still read it. And I'm like, and why not? You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I would tell people, if you're going to read any book, really read Cashflow Quadrant, that was his next book. And then read Mm -hmm. Prophecy because you'll learn, well, why read Prophecy? Because the crash already came. (laughs) Read Prophecy and there's more to come. There's a lot more to come. I believe we're going to be going through a lot more. And this is just a start. It's going to be bad, but good. Because I believe in 2030, things are going to completely take off from that point in a good way. I think a lot of good things are going to come from this. But anyway, that's all, you know. Cool, cool. Glad you answered that question. I don't know what other question mm. I can ask you. Oh, no, no. That, I think that's a good way to, to round out this episode. And again, I definitely appreciate your time. And to your point, to when I ask you the three words to describe you, I mean, I think you definitely personified your three words in this episode. I mean, everybody can kind of see that's who you are, 100%. So, yeah, because tomorrow I'll probably pick three other words. I don't know. So, I'm, you know, there's my ADHD right there. Come on, man. <laughs> I definitely appreciate it, lad, man. I look forward to continuously working with you. And again, by the way, I mean, we got your logos back too. So I'll be 
putting the final touches on those and getting those back cool. to you in about a day or so. All right. Oh, and by the way, guys, use this man. Anybody that's listening to this, hire his services because he does logo designs. I can do them too, but because of my time, see what I mean? Don't be John Wayne. Don't do everything. Mm-hmm. It's good to hire other people and utilize their services. Mm-hmm. That's another cap in the hat kind of comment, you know, because I apply it. I don't just say it. I apply it. Mm-hmm. I could easily do this logo myself, but you know what? I need another eye on this. Or how about this? I need some eyes. And he's got that ability to do it because he's got a team of people mm-hmm. where it would just be me and one other person. You know, utilize talent when you can. I would totally use him. So cool, man. Definitely appreciate it, man. All right. SA Grant over and out. Have a good one, lad. Yes, yes. Talk to you soon, man. All right. Bye. Thanks again. Later. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to become an uncaged trailblazer. If this podcast helped you, please email me about it. Submit additional questions you would love to hear me ask our guests and or drop me your thoughts at asksagrant.com. Post comments, share, hit subscribe, and remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss Uncaged are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful book, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.sagrant.com slash boss uncaged.